The reading tonight is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Acacia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope, that we will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of God. Amen. Thank you so much, Barbara. And uh, yeah, a really warm welcome as well if you're new here. I think I can recognize everybody here, but just in case I've missed someone. No, I don't think I have. But yeah, you all know who I am. Shall we pray? Well, yes, Father, we thank you so much for what, what, what we were just hearing, the treasure of your word. It's awesome promises to us, and we pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to see just how good it is, how good you are. And Lord, please help me not to present my own ideas or to speak in my own strength. But we ask that Jesus Christ would take center stage this evening in our lives, in everything that happens tonight. Amen. Well, some of you might know that about uh, six months ago now, I had a surgery on my back. Uh, I got through the busy Christmas season, and um, I found that I was in excruciating pain, and I couldn't walk or use the shower or uh, sit at the dinner table. And uh, the doctors did an MRI, and it turned out I had something called a sequestrated disc, 
which uh, was pressing on something for those in the medical know called my fecal sac, uh, which um, was bad. It basically meant that my nerves were uh, being pressed down and I needed urgent surgery to correct it, otherwise there was a risk of permanent nerve damage. Now, it's a pretty routine operation. However, there was a moment when the surgeon turned to me and said, there's around a one in 400 chance that I could damage the nerve, or in a worst case scenario, I could paralyze you. And so when I had arrived at the hospital, I kind of had to sign uh, four or five documents, basically saying that I understood the risks and I wasn't gonna sue them if something went wrong. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you that I cruised into that surgery on a wave of faith with no struggle, no anxiety about what might happen. But the reality is that there were times when I was afraid. And a, a precious psalm throughout my life, in particular at that time, was Psalm 27, when um, just as I was waiting to be taken down on, on the lift to be put under... Um, just reciting it to me. And it was such a precious comfort to me uh, when it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why am I sharing all of this with you? Well, because um, we're in a series looking at prayer. And tonight I want to talk to you about how prayer can help us to develop dependence on God developing dependence on God. Now, I say developing dependence because depending on God is not native to any of us. It does not come naturally to any of us. And as a child develops, it will instinctively depend on his or her parents, won't it? For food, for protection, for comfort. You don't need to teach a child to, uh, to depend. It's just natural to them. But so often it's not like that with God. So often we will depend, I will depend, on just about anything or anyone else but God for comfort and strength. Even for those who love Jesus and have followed him for years, the fight to depend on God is real. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says um, that the flesh, that is our sinful fall in human nature, the flesh actually desires what is contrary to the spirit. And, and he goes on to say that they're in conflict with each other within us. And so often we'd rather depend on our skills or our money um, or our organization than depend on God. Or so often we'd rather depend on our friends and our family more than we depend on God. Uh, maybe for you it's self-medicating with things like food or alcohol or drugs or shopping or Netflix. And that's what you depend on. But just occasionally, God in his grace will lead us into circumstances which force us to depend on him and in prayer in a much deeper way. And uh, in the reading we were just hearing, Paul describes exactly um, that dynamic. So in verses 8 to 9, he's, he He's pretty blunt, isn't he? He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. 
Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Now, what reason does Paul give for this horrendous season of suffering? He goes on, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul says, in effect, the suffering was unspeakably hard and we didn't fully understand it, but God was developing dependence on him through it. He was shaping and molding a deep dependence on him through the suffering. It's a bit like, imagine you're out in the open ocean in a ship. You know, when the sun is shining and the water is peaceful, you don't need uh, or you don't notice that the only thing standing between you and the open ocean is this tiny bit of wood that you're resting on. However, if you throw a storm into the mix with the waves billowing and the wind howling and the rain lashing across your face, in those circumstances, you learn a new appreciation, a new dependence on the ship to keep you safe. And in a similar way, God invites us into a special and intimate dependence on him when we suffer. God draws close to us in the suffering. I was really challenged by this quote by uh, John Piper. It was just before his operation for prostate cancer, so much more serious than a routine back operation like mine. But he said this, he said, the aim of God in our cancer, among a thousand other good things, is to knock out props from under our hearts so that we rely utterly on him. The aim of God in our cancer, among a thousand other good things, is to knock out props from under our hearts so that we rely utterly on him. Where has God in his grace been doing that in your life? It might be a major disappointment that someone just let you down who you thought you could trust. Uh, It might be a health struggle or a scary diagnosis. It might just be overwhelming stress or just feeling about a certain situation. I don't have what it takes to deal with this. And the Lord is saying, as it were, I know this is hard, but you can trust me and I'm worthy of your trust. And I want you to depend on me alone as you go through this. I've shared this quote before from C.S. Lewis, but I think it expresses it beautifully when he says, "Um, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. So what is prayer? Prayer to me at its most basic is developing dependence 
on God. And God sometimes uses bewildering or painful circumstances to deepen our dependence on him. But there's more. In the suffering, in the pain, God holds out to us his comfort. The word comfort appears 10 times in our reading, and it's variously translated as encouragement or consolation. Uh, The Greek word is paraklesis, and it means, quite literally, to call near, to stand next to someone. If you imagine a parent sort of holding out their arms and inviting their child to come and receive a hug, you get the idea. And Paul is so full of the comfort of God that he begins his letter by praising God. It just flows out of him. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. That's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? The Father of compassion. That when God knocks out those props that we've been leaning on, that he's waiting with compassionate arms outstretched to catch us and hold us close. God doesn't call us to blindly follow him into the open ocean of suffering. No, he tenderly reveals himself as the father of compassion first. And in our culture, which often uses the experience of suffering as an excuse to reject God's claim on their life, Paul's experience of suffering has actually been the exact opposite of that. Indeed, it's Paul's faith in God that actually enables him to face the reality, the brutal and harsh reality of his life. Like a hammer with a nail, his suffering has driven him deeper into his relationship with Jesus. And if you're here and you're exploring the Christian faith, I just want to ask In all honesty, what are your resources for dealing with suffering? And I would submit to you that if God is not a key foundational part of your answer to that question, you're actually building your life on an incredibly uh, vulnerable and fragile foundation. And when the waves of hardship come, as indeed they will come to all of us, what will be left over for you? I see that scripture teaches that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and that what we've lived for, what we've based our whole lives on will be weighed by him. And this isn't some kind of quaint uh, idea invented by me. Scripture teaches it repeatedly. But this is the wonderful news that there is a father of compassion. A father of compassion. A father who sent his one and only son to enter into our suffering world, to die on the cross for our sin, bearing the death and despair and suffering of the world so that we could know him and be set free. And he promises that through Jesus, there will be a day when all suffering and death is eradicated from his creation forever. But I believe God wants to bring his comfort to you and I tonight. Because he knows what you're going through. He knows your life intimately, better than you know yourself. And he loves you. And this is what he's in the business of doing. But crucially, Paul goes on to say that 
we extend the comfort that we receive from God um, to others. So in verse 4 he says, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Do you see the dynamic there? If God has brought you through some difficult stuff, don't be surprised if he calls upon you when the time and the context is right to use that experience to help other people. Now, that might not necessarily mean telling everyone what you've been through. We all know what it feels like, don't we, to be sort of emotionally vomited on. But it might just be about coming alongside someone who's sort of going through the same thing. Uh, Writer John Eldridge once said, I don't trust a person who hasn't suffered. I don't trust a person who hasn't suffered. I absolutely agree. But why is that? Well, because it's so often people who have suffered who are the best equipped to help other people. Now, sometimes it's true, suffering can have the opposite effect and make people more bitter and bent up and turned in on themselves. But when God is in our life, suffering is used by God to soften us, to make us more compassionate, more in touch with the suffering of others. Well, you might think now, well, hang on, Matt, what's all this got to do with prayer? Well, I'd submit to you it's got everything to do with prayer, which is why Paul prays it in this passage. Because some books and sermons on prayer can be almost entirely sort of inward focused. Uh, You know, it's about nurturing your own inner prayer life, how to have some sort of experience yourself. And of course, that is important, but prayer is also about where we intercede for others. Prayer is also where we stand in the gap. Prayer is also where we receive, it's where we receive God's comfort, but it's also the place where we ask the Lord, you know, how do you want me to use the experiences of my life, of what I've been through, to encourage and strengthen someone else? And in verse 5, he says, profoundly mysterious words he says so just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ so also our comfort abounds through Christ so he's saying there in a very deep and mysterious way that some kinds of suffering are actually a share if you can get your head around that of the sufferings of Christ when he went and died on the cross that just as Christ's suffering on the cross became the very place of our forgiveness and healing and redemption and um, our comfort, so also our suffering and pain can become, by his grace, the very place where God chooses to help other people through us. So just as I begin to come in to finish, let's not come to church or home group and put on our best church face, hiding our vulnerabilities or trying to present ourselves as strong and together all the time, because we might impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Let's not be like Paul sarcastically refers to a group of people called super apostles who look at him and say, oh, he's so unimpressive. 
And they approached, these super apostles approached the Christian life as a religious performance. But let's be real. And for those of us who have come through a season um, of intense suffering, let's be ready to share the way that God has comforted and helped you with other people. Because ultimately prayer is about developing dependence on God. It's not primarily about us extracting things we want from God. And we can help people more than we could possibly imagine I've seen this so, so many times to know that it is true by just being real and just saying, here is how God helped me when I faced something like that, when I went through that. And you'd be astonished what God can do in the life of someone when we do that. So shall we pray? Gracious God, we thank you that you're with us in our suffering, that you're able and ready and eager to help us. And we dare to ask you tonight that you would strip us of the false and wrong dependencies in our life. We really do want Jesus to be more and more our all in all in everything, Lord. And thank you that in Jesus we have this incredible, merciful, sympathetic, overflowing with compassion, um, high priest. A high priest who understands our reality and our weakness, who understands our frailty, and who didn't sort of sit on the clouds dispatching religious advice, but came and sacrificed himself for our redemption. God, we thank you so much. Help us to depend more deeply on him and help us to help others to depend on him as well. To not falling into the trap of only praying that you would get us out of trouble, but that we would see the deeper work you're doing when we're not immediately taken out of trouble, that we would know you're with us in it. We thank you for the hope that you hold out to us and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.